Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host Jay Chima with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, uh, the Puma, and the senior contributor of the Pro Football Radio Podcast, Eric Burgess, aka The Burge. Fellas, welcome into Podcast 83, Free Agency Frenzy. Wow. That's the word of the day. Just, just uh, you know, the, hang on, I gotta hit you with the echo, the... NFL, NFL legal, legal tampering window bonanza! <laughs> Jesus, I mean, that's really what it was. Holy shit, it was like supermarket sweeps when, like, back in the day, everyone was, like, running up and down the aisle like a crackhead, trying to get all the cereal in the cart and run into the front of the store. That's really what free agency felt like for one team in particular, <laughs> and that's the New England Patriots. So, yeah. holy shit. we should petition the league to change it uh, to the New England Patriots frenzy today. Oh, Jesus. Jesus what a day. Christ. What Burge, a day. How you doing? Are you feeling good over there, Burge? Dude, I'm great. I'm recovered from COVID. I'm ready to go. I'm happy to be back on with this, especially after today's events. My goodness. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. happy. I think I think before we get into all of this, I think the person that walked away with the most money today has got to be Drew Rosenhaus, who negotiated oh, 10 yeah. contracts for over $250 million today. <laughs> yep. He is the one that made the most money today. <laughs> hey, he, they just added a new baby to the family. He's got, he's got a mouth to feed. <laughs> Jesus. Half of those guys went up to New England. I mean, they have Rosenhaus North up there now, right? Yep. <laughs> Pretty <Right> much. <laughs> uh, all right, so for everybody listening, you know, I'm sure you guys know by now that the New England Patriots went absolutely ham. Um, for the first day of free agency, which shocked most of us. Uh, we'll dedicate a big portion of the show to those moves and those signings for the Patriots and we'll analyze those. But before we get to that, I think we'll take a few minutes and kind of walk through some of the other um, big signings today. And here's some of the, the key ones that stood out to me. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars ended up uh, signing the Bears um, uh, defensive tackle Roy Robertson-Harris on a three-year, $24 million deal. Um, the Chiefs ended up signing... Uh, Joe Tooney to a five-year, $80 million deal. Um, the Buccaneers ended up holding on to Shaq Barrett with a four-year, $72 million deal. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, the Broncos are giving Dar- Ronald Darby a three-year deal worth about $30 million. Um, the Rams are giving linebacker Leonard, Flo- Le- Leonard Floyd a four-year, $64 million deal. And right before we came on the year, looks like the uh, J- New York Jets ended up giving wide receiver Corey Davis a three-year, $37 million deal with about $27 million guaranteed. So, fellas, out of all the non-Patriot moves, which was the move that kind of stood out to you the most and will do the most for their new team? I mean, I'm going to go with... Uh, Yannick Ngakwe going up to Vegas uh, to, to play on the, their defensive line. I mean, I love Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, you know, I think if he st- stuck around with Jacksonville, it probably could have been a, a nice building block alongside Josh Allen, the defensive lineman, but things didn't work out because of Tom Coughlin and that organization as a whole. But, no, I mean, you put – Yannick Ngakwe opposite of Max Crosby uh, on both edges, and that's that's going to be a fun defensive line to watch. I mean, I, th- I think at this point, in, you know, we're three years removed from uh, Cleveland Farrell being drafted fourth overall by the, the Vegas Raiders, and 
I think it might be safe to say that the Cleveland Farrell pick might have been a bust. Mm -hmm. So I think Yannick Ngakwe is going to address a big issue on that defensive line. And, you know, the secondary for Oakland or Vegas, I should say, isn't that bad. It's not great. But, like, you can't expect them to stay in coverage for almost eight seconds because you can't generate a pass rush. So I I love the move of Ngakwe going to Vegas. Yeah, I mean, listen, especially in that division with the quarterback play, you've got to be able to get pressure on both Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert now, right? At the end of the day, I don't know what the situation is going to be in Denver, uh, if Drew Locke is going to be the starting quarterback, but just with you know Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert alone, you've got to be able to have some sort of defensive line pressure uh, on the quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go over to Burgess. So what, what is uh, something that stood out to you that was a non-Patriot move that you think is going to be the most impactful for their team? So, so for me, it's it's two. It's one of two, and it's on the offensive line. It's Joe Tooney going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, they shored up the offensive line. They just released both their tackles, and they really needed to address their offensive line. They got manhandled in the uh, probably, in my opinion, the reason they lost that Super Bowl is because of the uh, their offensive line was just dominated by the Buccaneers' defensive front and. You know, they gave him a lot of money, and, you know, he's a former Patriot. We know him very well up here. And the last two free agents that have walked from uh, New England, being Trent Brown and Nate Solder, um, kind of underwhelmed when they when they moved on. So it'll be interesting to see how Joe Tooney can can anchor that that front in front of uh, in front of Patrick Mahomes and seeing if they can continue. I mean, I find it interesting. I'm looking at their at his contract. It looks like his cap hit next year is only four and a half million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, that, that's the kind of move they needed to make. They're short on cash. They did just have a bunch of contract restructures. So, you know, I think that's a big one. And then another one I think, um, I'm not sure if you're going to hit on this one, Jay, is uh, Corey Lindsley going to the Chargers, mm-hmm. you know, kind of shoring up that, that front for, for the young quarterback and Justin Herbert, which I think is going to be a great battle between those two teams uh, next year. Yeah, of course, of course. I think that Tooney one was, was one of mine as well. Um, just because, you know, you're just spot on. I mean, the, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs needed to address that. Uh, they obviously had major issues protecting Patrick Mahomes in, in the Super Bowl. And, you know, who's to say if he had better protection if that isn't a shootout, right? Uh, but I'm going to go a little bit of a different way. I'm actually going to go with Shaq Barrett and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they ended up signing uh, Shaq Barrett to a four-year deal worth $72 million with $36 million guaranteed. And I think this was absolutely important. I think, you know, essentially the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, after winning the Super Bowl, you know, essentially knew they wanted to keep the team together to try to make a run next year. Um, Tom Brady restructured some of his money. I think Mike Evans might have also as well. But essentially, they found a way to get some money to Shaq Bear to keep the core together. Um, and for the most part, I mean, the whole team is going to come back for the Buccaneers at the moment, except for Dominican Sue. And they're, I think, from what I read online, they're still talking to him. So uh, I think for the most part, they're keeping the band back together. And I'm happy to see Shaq Bear finally get paid because the guy hasn't made much money throughout his career. I mean, he was, uh, he was fairly buried on the Broncos depth chart, didn't make much money. He got the big franchise tag last year, but this is his first big, big payday. So I'm happy for him. I mean, they just added Gronk back, too, which, you know, was, was big. I think he signed a one-year $10 million deal. Um, you know, after, you know, he was floating ideas out there that he was going to test free agency. I mean, I didn't buy it from the beginning, but I thought that was that was interesting that he threw that out there. Yeah, I think that was just one of those scare tactics he threw out there to try to get some more money out of the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Got $10 million, so good for him. <laughs> um, are you guys ready to talk about some Patriots? <laughs> That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> 
Let's all right. do it. Going into today, we all we've had this long text chain for the last I don't know how many weeks now about how Jesus. the Patriots are not gonna do anything and you know I had I was hoping they would do something, but we all kinda knew they wouldn't do anything based off their, their history, but boy, were we wrong. So, you know, I'm going to list off uh, the players they signed today and their contracts, um, and then you guys can react to it. So they started out the day with signing tight end Janu Smith to a four-year, $50 million deal. Um, they followed that up with uh, signing Devon Godshaw uh, for two years and $16 million. Um, Matt Judon also was a, uh, was somebody they signed to for four years and $56 million. Uh, they went after cornerback Jalen Mills for four years and $24 million. Uh, they signed Nelson Aguilar to two years and $26 million. And then finally, before we came on the air, they ended up signing Kendrick Bourne for three years and $22 million. They also re-signed Carl Davis and Dietrich Weiss. And I will be the first to say I did not see this coming one bit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, was, I was joking with Burge and, you know, kind of really going at him the last few weeks about how I thought Belichick was going to essentially dumpster dive and not really go all in, but... I'll be the first one to take the L on this. This is absolutely out of left field. I did not expect to see any of this coming today. You know, I, I didn't either. I mean, I expected that, you know, I wasn't in the, your camp of the dumpster diving uh, that Bill was going to do this year, but <clears throat> I did expect them to, to spend some money, uh, but I did not expect them to come out on day one and within, what, three or four hours having spent, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on these contracts. I It's, it's so out of character uncharacteristic of this team and I you know I'll give credit to to uh, Tommy Curran who had this early early on came out said be ready for the Patriots to be uncharacteristically aggressive in free agency and boy he whoever he's talking to he's he, he was spot on with that I mean I hope he's unchar- uncharacteristically uh, aggressive he was seven and nine and he watched his former franchise quarterback win without him the old man didn't want to watch it happen again mm-hmm. I mean and, and 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 let's be honest like to the to the to the fan that understands football, everyone everyone and their brother knew that last year Bill punted on it. It was a rebuild kind of situation. But I, I what I think kicked everything into into hyper gear of, you know, hey, we're gonna spend like a, a coked out rapper is Brady won without him and he won seventy nine and everybody, including, you know, Myself and, and Jay's been leading that bandwagon of, of questioning the of questioning the old man. So like he had to. He had to make a move. Like if if they went to if, if they started training camp with the roster that they had prior to the legal tampering window today, um, I, I think you would have had signs a la you know Philadelphia Eagles saying you know fire Andy Reid. Like they would have been having people there probably chanting fire Bill Belichick and like that. You know it wasn't just Jay you, you saying that in the text thread. Like there were starting to be rumblings from fans on on Twitter pages and the mentions for the New England Patriots of you know they were really starting to question Bill is the future of that franchise and he had to make a splash and by God he fucking did it mm-hmm. those questions were premature that's what it comes down to like, I mean I'm, I'm with you I'm with you if they if they walked into training camp with the roster they had last year this year yeah I think everybody every righteous minded Patriots fan or football fan would be pissed, you know, as a Patriots fan. I would have been pissed about that, and I would have been, you know, upset with Bill about it, and I would have been probably leaning Jay's way on this. But, like, they needed to spend money. I don't know if they needed to go this far, but, hey, I'm happy about it. But 
those those questions, you know, coming out, it was just a, a, a reaction based on the fact that that Brady went and won without him. Mm-hmm. If if Brady didn't win, I don't think I don't think it would have been as as uh, as front and center as you know it has been. Yeah, but let's not let's not make it like it's a negative thing. I think this is okay. I mean, listen, when I saw that. I, listen, if Devon Gottschall and let's say Jalen Mins were signed, right? I mean, I feel like those are perfect kind of Patriots. I think they paid a little more than they should have, but, but yeah. I think those were the guys they would have brought in on a normal year. But the fact they started going after John Smith and Matt Judon and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Brown, that signaled to me that deep down somewhere, Belichick was like, fuck, I, I have fucked this team up big time. I need to do whatever it takes to essentially, you know, rid of last year's stench, essentially set a new tone going forward. And for me, what I liked the most was the mind, uh, the mindset change that he had, right? I mean, we all know the mindset he has with building a team and drafting and blah, blah, blah. But when it all fails, you've got to go to free agency and spend a shit ton of money. Now, I'm not I'm not completely off, you know, the, the belly fraud thing. I still need him to win in the regular season. That's obviously key because this is still only March. And we as Patriots fans have sat here in the past years and laughed at the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins who threw a bunch of money at free agents in March and ended up not winning because of that. He still has to go out there and essentially prove that he can win. But today is a good first step. Today, I understand that the guy knows that he fucked up and he has to write that somehow. And the quickest way to do that is to spend a bunch of money through free agency. Yeah, I mean, who's your, who's your favorite signing of the day? For me, it has to be John Smith. Uh, the oh. guy's a yak yeah. god. I mean, he has... A t- Bill Belichick has neglected the tight end position, position for, I don't know, I mean, three years now, ever since Gronk retired. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just for me, I think what we do as the Patriots, running the ball playing inside the hashes. I think John Smith is the absolute perfect guy mm-hmm. um, for, for that for that system. I think the one the one sign that I kind of had a little bit of a, I don't really see the signing, but I'm still okay with it. I'm okay with all the moves because I just want that aggressive mindset. I think that Nelson Aguilar signing for me is a little bit of a, I don't really know what you're doing right now, just because Nelson Aguilar for most of his career is played outside and he takes the, the vertical deep shots. And for me, Cam Noon isn't that quarterback. Unless there's something else down the road that's going to happen that's going to essentially uh, make good use out of Aguilar's skill set, uh, I, I, I think that's the one signing that I think might be uh, might come back to bite him in the ass. But regardless, I'm happy with all of it. I mean, I want to make it very clear that I like the fact that even though he's not going to hit all of them, he's taking this very aggressive mindset towards building a team that's going to compete next year. No, I'm with you. I've been on the uh, I've been on the John o. Smith train since the season ended. That's who is that's who I wanted them to sign. If they walked away with nobody else and they walked away with John o. Smith, I would have been happy. You know, I wanted him over over Hunter Henry. I just think that John o. Smith just fits what the Patriots are trying to do better than than Henry does. He, he John o. Smith is more of a a rounded tight end. He can block, he can catch. He's he, like you said he's a yak god. It, you know, it just he screams a perfect fit. I think he's going to be great there. Hopefully, help uh, accelerate the development of the other tight ends on the roster, Keen and Asiasi. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that how that plays out. And I agree with you about Aguilar. Uh, the money seemed a little high when when that came in. Um, he wasn't the guy I wanted. I wanted Curtis Samuel here. You know, I thought he was going to be a great fit, having played with Cam before. I, it, it, and, you know, given uh, he's only 24 years old and kind of how he he can do different things. I think they had him out of the backfield uh, in Carolina last year for a while, too. So, you know, we'll see how that one plays out. Again, like, I'm with you. I'm not going to hate on it. I'm going to wait and see how it plays out. 
But I think at the end of the day, I think if there's going to be a move that's going to be scrutinized up here on the talk radio, by the media, blah, 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 it's going to be that signing that he overpaid for, for Aguilar. You know, I don't mind the Aguilar signing as much. I, I know for the majority of his career he's been playing outside. And, I mean, he, he had a, a career year with, uh, with Derek Carr. And I'll be the first one to say that I led the Derek Carr as checked out Charlie train. But, I mean, he was able to spin the ball downfield. But I think in the Patriot offense you're going to see a little bit more of an expanded route tree for, for Nelson Aguilar. And, I mean, let's be honest, as, as much as Cam Newton loves – Nikhil Harry, like Nikhil Harry has not taken that step yet for as big of a body as he is, you know, by saying he looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, like Nelson Aguilar is another big body guy. He can be a big target for, for Cam in this offense. The, the signings that were a stretch for me uh, as a Dolphins fan, the, the Godshaw signing, I, I think he, he overpaid a little bit for a role player type of guy, but I, I can understand the logic a little bit. But the, the Jalen Mills signing, when I saw that uh, come across the wire, <laughs> I was just like, is there another Jalen Mills in the NFL that nobody knows about? Because he was part of a secondary in Philadelphia that was an absolute gas can, couldn't stop anybody before uh, Darius Slay got there. And then when Darius Slay was there last year, they were still a joke of a secondary uh, in the NFL. And I, and I understand I understand that Jalen Mills can play these different type, types of positions. He's a Patriot type of guy, jack, jack of all trades, but master of none. But, you know, you already have that with Kyle Duggar, and you overpay for a guy that was torched uh, consistently in, in the secondary just so he can play inside the box. To me, that was a bit of a stretch. That was the first overpay in my eyes that I saw in the tampering window for the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, he... They also have Adrian Phillips still, I believe. So, I mean, they have a bunch of these guys that can that, that can kind of move around the defense. And I think I, I think it's clear that they're trying to address the, the run defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they were atrocious last year in, in the run game. So I, maybe they're a little bit overcorrecting for it. But given the versatility of Mills, you know Bill loves it. And he, he'll find a way to get the most out of him. Yeah, and, and the Devon Gottschall thing, man, like, I I understand where you guys are coming from, where it might be a little bit of a, a, a reach, especially you, Puma, because you watched him. But I think, you know, essentially him being hurt last year is is one of the reasons why we think it's a reach, you know. Um, for a guy that hasn't produced much last year, it's, it's kind of hard to give him this much money. But I think Burju hit it, man. Like, I think one of the worst aspects of this team last year was run defense. I mean, there, there was games where, you know, essentially the, the 49ers game comes to mind where they yep. just ran all over us. Um, there was issues when we went down to Houston. There was issues when we were, we were playing against um, the Los Angeles Rams. So yep. I understand why he, he paid all that money. Now, now the, the wide receiver thing, I mean, I really like that Bourne signing. I think, I think Bourne is a guy that would fit in really well uh, with the Patriots system. I mean, he is going to be a guy that's going to be out of the slot. He seems versatile. From what I understand, Kyle Shanahan, there was a rough patch in the beginning, but eventually he came to be some sort of a Swiss Army knife in that system. So I am really looking forward to seeing essentially how Bourne is used in our offense. I mean, looking, looking forward a little bit, we're going to have Aguilar, Bourne, Edelman, if he's still with us, uh, Jacoby Myers. Nikhil Harry, unfortunately, is still going to be there. Maybe not. He gets cut. But, you know, I, I think I feel fairly confident with those wide receivers and John o. Smith essentially being there, uh, being our, our main uh, core of the offense. Couple that with Damian Harris, Donald Scott with Sony Michelle. 
I think we're looking at, at a team that, you know, I'm, I'm expecting 10 wins next year. You know, one of my, you know, I think, you know, before today, I thought 9-7, and 10-6 was attainable. Today, I feel confident about that record. I think 10-6 is something we should be striving for and looking at games to the playoffs. So, is it a stretch for me to say that this could be a playoff team with some decent quarterback play? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean... You, you basically what you need out of Cam Newton if he if he ends up being the starter on you know week one is you need him to be a game manager you need him to go out there make the throws that he needs to make and not turn the ball over that that that's really what it comes down to if they can effectively move the ball play solid defense run the hell out of the ball you know that that's going to be what they're going to be and you need you need Cam Newton to do just enough and protect the ball he had some cost uh, bad timely in um interceptions last year and same with fumbles he eliminates that who knows who knows you know i mean a full off season with him you know i you know when they signed him uh on friday i i had been coming around on it uh the last month or so just you know a mentally preparing for it b kind of accepting the fact that you know it may be the right move i mean they're paying him pennies on the dollar to be here if he ends up being the week one starter and they bring in a rookie in the draft, like a Kellen Mond, Jamie Newman, Mac Jones, whatever, whoever, whoever it is, I just, I, I, I just, I think that he, he, he is going to be able to excel with some talent around him, and we'll get to see it, and you know that'll be the uh, the proof on the Cam Newton experience, our experiment with Bill. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. And, uh, and Puma, before you go, just some breaking news. Ian Rapport is reporting that the Titans are, in fact, signing former Steelers pass rusher by Dupree. So looks like another top-edge uh, rusher is off the market. But, but Puma, what's your thoughts on that with, with Cam Newton and his play going forward next year? And what will it take for him to get us through a playoff contention team? Hand the ball off 35 times? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I mean, in, that's true. In, I mean, re- that could be a tactic, yeah. I mean, in reality, they, they, you know, the old saying, speed kills. So, like, even if they don't get another running back and, and they roll out with Damian Harris and hopefully they put him in bubble wrap so he doesn't get hurt between now and training camp and, and Sony Michelle, uh, you know, you could still run the football with Cam Newton. I think he led the league in, in touchdown rushes for a quarterback with 12 last year, despite you know, all of his little peccadillos that were going on with COVID and, and the lack of consistency, which is a kind word uh, to describe his uh, his throwing ability. But, I mean, you can get Johnny Smith in a sweep. I mean, you can watch a highlight video of Johnny Smith mm-hmm. getting, like, a pitch out of the backfield, bringing it to the house for 53 yards. Nelson Aguilar can crack off a jet sweep for to and bring it to the house as well, too. <clears throat> so I expect them to run the ball a lot. I think, you know, Cam is going to have to embrace – the game manager mode that, that Burge alluded to. And, you know, I've been saying since Cam got signed that the next quarterback on the Patriot roster is going to be attained via the draft. And I, I've been super high on Kellen Mond uh, for, for quite a while. He's a big body guy. He, he basically is a Cam-like specimen, air quote specimen. If you look at the measurables, almost the same height. He's a thick kid. And he can spin the ball. He can throw it down the field. He can run. And I think he would fit perfectly in this type of offense that now Cam Newton is actually going to have a full season under center in, in, you know, in training camp, I should say, getting everything tailored towards his game. Because for the longest time, the system that was in place was for a guy that was there for 20 years and, and left in free agency. So 
that's what I think is going to happen with the Patriot roster. It's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I can see them at 10 wins and being a wild-card contender uh, coming out of the AFC. And, uh, Burge, before you go, just a little bit more breaking news. Uh, former Steelers offensive line Matt Feeler reaches an agreement on a three-year $21 million deal with the Los Angeles Chargers. It looks like the Chargers are hell-bent on giving the best possible offensive line to Justin Herbert. That's that's the right move for them over there, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just getting back to, to the Patriots. I, I The big thing for me with, with, with Cam Newton and, and, and him succeeding there is I'm going to put some onus on the, on the offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Last year they got very predictable with how they were running him and and, and pretty much any play call that, that they ran. I mean, you look and go out there, they'd line up. You're like, oh, here comes a run. Oh, here comes an option to Cam Newton. Here comes a designed Cam Newton run. You could just see it. So how the, the offensive staff is able to disguise their, their runs and their schemes is going to be big in, in the success of, of the Patriots' offense. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Now, getting back to the draft a little bit, Puma, I want to hit on this. I mean, I'm starting to come around to the idea that Cam Noon is going to be our starter for, for 16 weeks next year. Um, I do believe that you know the best way forward for us is to draft a quarterback and essentially have him sit for a year. Um, looking at the the crop of talent out there, what is your guys' inclination on essentially Bill with being hyper aggressive today, essentially moving up and taking a guy, or is he gonna stay at fifteen, or even move back further and taking Kellen Mond or somebody uh, deeper in the draft? You know, because because where I'm sitting, you know, I'm seeing all this aggressiveness today, this new mindset. Who's to say, you know, come draft day, a Trey Lance or even a Justin Fields or whoever it is that somehow slips down past seven, eight, nine. And you have to only move up five spots to get somebody. Who's to say Belichick wouldn't be intrigued by that? I mean, I think it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, I thought that he was going to make that move last year and, and trade up somehow to, to get to a tongue of Iloa. I mean, realistically, you're probably going to have to, without anybody falling, I should say, get up to at least four. Because Atlanta Falcons are on the clock, and I think the Falcons might be in the market for a quarterback. Um, I, I, I mean, that's that's a lot for Bill to give up. You know, I know, you know, the old dog learned a few new tricks today, but like the guy Did still, he ever? the guy still <laughs> values draft picks like an old lady values coupons going to the local big Y. All right, like he's going <laughs> to value those draft picks, and I just don't see him trading up from fifteen to eight or to nine. To, to get, like, you know, let's say Justin Fields falls or Trey Lance falls, when, you know, you can go back to your blueprint of going on the defensive line or get an offensive lineman if one's available, or hell, a linebacker. I've been saying that for the longest time, too. Get him at 15, and then you come back around in round two or three and get yourself a Kellen Mond or, or hell, probably a Kyle Trask. Like, a Kyle Trask type of guy is probably going to be in the second or third round. Yeah. I like Kellen Mond quite a bit. I know we're all fairly high in Kellen Mond. I've said this many times in our group chats. I would consider him over Mac Jones. I think the only reason he is not a first-rounder in the top four or five crop of guys is because of his inconsistent play. Obviously, there are times where he doesn't play uh, up to his standard week in and week out. Um, but I would just consider him over Mac Jones. And further down, Kyle Trask, he's kind of like a reclamation pro not a reclamation project, but somebody who has to sit behind Cam Newton for a couple of off-seasons to learn. And further down, you got the Sam Ellingers and Jamie Newmans of the world. Um, you know, the way I see this is, 
the further up you go, the less you gotta depend on Cam Newton. You feel me? Like I, I, mm-hmm. I am trying to get to the point where we we have to rely on Cam Newton as little as possible. Um, you know, I, in a perfect world, I would love it for it to be nine games, right? If you had somebody as as high up as a Trey Lance, maybe nine, ten games in, it's not looking so good. We throw him out there. I know that's that's a little bit far fetched, but my my whole goal right now is to make sure we rely on Cam Newton as little as possible. But aren't you worried about the limited sample size of Trey Lance? Because you know, I I hear like all the accolades, and I, I've seen the tape, and I, I like Trey Lance. But you know, what gives me not buyer's remorse, but it makes me pause is these were almost the same adulations that were said about Mitch Trubisky, and he was, mm-hmm. you know, he started 13 games for North Carolina. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I just have you know, a little bit of pause thinking, well, Trey Lance has, you know, great attributes. He's mobile. He, he has a great arm. He can sling the ball down the field. But, you know, it's different going from North Dakota State to the NFL with New England and, you know, going up to Bill Belichick and how, like, you know, take it with a massive grain of salt. Like, we've heard what Cam Newton said about, you know, how Nikhil Harry processed the mental games of being in Foxborough. And I'm not saying Trey is soft, but it's definitely something you need to think about of mentally, are you up, you know, up there upstairs to handle this? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of sharing your sentiment on this, Puma. I, if they identify a guy that they have high on their draft board and he is falling, I have no issue with them trading up to go get right. the guy that they think is the guy. I don't want them doing it just because one of these guys is falling. That, that, that's... I don't want them to just reach because that's how you get into trouble and how you set a franchise back. Um, I'm, I, with, with 15, I, I, I really don't see them trading up. I mean, I didn't see what was coming today, so who knows. I just It would be just, again, outrageously uncharacteristic of them to do that. Unless, of course, they've, like I said, they've identified this guy that they want that they think is going to fit their system. They've done their homework, which they didn't do on Trey Lance because Bill wasn't up there for the workout. Um, it, if they've done their homework and if they, they identify this guy as their guy, go ahead and do it. I'll be okay with it. I don't want them going up to do it just for the sake of doing it. I would rather them spend 15 on, on a defensive player like, like Mika Parsons or, or I'll even accept a little bit of a trade back to, to amass a little bit more picks. I'm not saying trade 15 for a couple of third and fourth round picks. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying move back a few spots in the first round Get a guy on offensive lineman, defensive lineman, linebacker, you know, you name it, and, and, and build your capital and then take a Kellen Mond or a Kyle Trask or a Jamie Newman later in the draft. That, that's what I want to see. Will it happen? You know, who, who the hell knows this offseason? I mean, everything's kind of blown up what we know about Bill Belichick and the Patriots uh, well, after today. Puma, on your point about the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, all of it's a crapshoot this year, man. Honestly, like you got Trevor Lawrence, who's the only surefire thing, and even he, you know, for the most part, um, you know, has a couple of doubts here and there from certain critics. But you know, the the other the other guy is Zach Wilson, who I think is I don't understand what's happening with Zach Wilson. I don't understand how somebody with his uh, resume is being catapulted into a number two seed. I'm the one guy. That I think I said this many times over. Zach Wilson is the one guy I want to stay the fuck away from. The guy seems to have some off the off the field issues. He seems entitled. Seems like he has some character issues. Comes from money. Seems like he doesn't want to put the work in. 
But, you know, moving further past that, even Justin Fields and Trey Lance, I've come around to Trey Lance a little bit just because of his physical skill sets. He's very raw. He's big-bodied, man. He's 6'4". He can run. He can bulldoze people. And, and obviously, Justin Fields, I'm biased. I think the guy it should be the number two, number two quarterback taken off the board. I mean, that's just my Ohio, Ohio State fandom talking. You know, there there is... I said this many times to you, Puma. You know, Justin Fields is getting the Deshaun Watson treatment. You know, we all remember Deshaun Watson coming out of college, highly decorated, played in a big-time program, made some amazing throws. And for some reason, there's a narrative built in that he was too skinny or there's something they didn't like about him. And he started it wasn't falling. accurate, and I Whatever. laughed my balls off. Exactly, right? There was something built in to the narrative around uh, Deshaun Watson that made him fall. And the same exact thing has happened with Justin Fields. He's had two bad games in his two-year run at Ohio State, and both those bad games were COVID-related. He had the bad game against Indiana, where the week before they didn't have practice because of COVID and everything was shut down. And then they had the uh, the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern, where 22 of the starters on the team were out with COVID. So, I mean, it's just something's happening with Justin Fields and the narrative around him that's making him fall. Um, but, you know, in regards to the bigger picture, like, I think a lot of it is a mystery this year. This is one of those quarterback draft classes where, you know, you're going to have to take a couple of shots in the dark to see if something pans out or not. Mm-hmm. I can buy that because the quarterback landscape, like you've pointed out many a time, is barren next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> next year's quarterback landscape is not good. That draft class next year is pretty bad. I think you've got maybe one, and that's about it. Yeah, if that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I will say this. Uh... Justin Fields dropped to about nine or ten in my Madden draft. I traded up to get him. Will Bill do the same? Well, there you go. A little bit of foreshadowing from uh, GM Burge over here. Uh, I'll say this much. And he was MVP. He was MVP of his first year, his rookie year. And and please, like, listen, please tell me if I'm wrong here. And, you know, sometimes I don't see clearly because of my fandom, but you guys saw the Clemson game. You saw what he did. Like, he essentially got knocked out from the game because he had broken ribs, came back, still threw darts, and that's what's going to have to happen in the NFL. It's not going to be perfect in the NFL. You're going to get beat up. You're going to you're gonna be get tossed around. You're going to be hurt. But can you get up from that and attack? And he seems like he can. Cortisone is a hell of a drug. <laughs> so yeah, I got to say. But, no, I mean, no, like you said, I mean, it was, the, the proof is in the pudding. We, we saw it on the national stage. Um, I'll say this much. If Bill Belichick trades from 15 up to the top, you know, inside the top 10 and, and gets a quarterback, I, I think you, you'll have to find a, a new host on the show. Uh, you'll see a pile of ash in my shoes because I'll just, you know, uh, unexpectedly combust because the old dog really learned new tricks throughout the entire offseason because the old man was tired of, like losing the one year seven and nine i, I don't think he had that since the cleveland brown days and then he watched you know brady right Those off don't the count. sunset oh here we go oh, oh yeah that's right revisionist history that's right that's right anything prior to 2000 did not happen we are living in a false reality um but no i mean in all seriousness if he trades up i, I all bets are off uh, get a bet slip oh, in God. get then a bet if, slip in if he goes up and takes a justin fields or a trey lance my pants would explode off my body. Like, I mean, I, I, at some point, at some point at 3 or 4 p.m. when these free agent moves started coming in, I was like, I, I got to take a smoke break here. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I will but say no, this. I like this. I like this approach from Bill Belichick, man. And, like, I, 
I, that's my biggest issue, and Burge, we've gone through this for, for months at a time. We don't have to do this today. It's like, Please essentially, no. it's essentially one of those things where it's like, you know, we don't have three, four fucking years. Like, no, we're not, we're not, the, we're not the New York Jets or the, or the Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry, we're the fucking New England Patriots. Call me spoiled, fits. but we should be you out are. there competing year in and year out. We should be competing for AFC's titles. I mean, that's just the, the foundation and the, uh, the expectations he set. So we're going to have to fall through with that. I, I will say this. The, the, watching the first night of the draft now is actually going to be Intriguing. worth watching. It's going to be <laughs> worth watching. Like, I would watch to a certain point in the NFL draft. Like last year, I think I, I went to bed at pick like 16 or 17 because I'm like, you know what? I'm not staying up because I'm going to get pissed off if they trade back. And I stayed up for it. I had to work the next morning. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And sure enough, I woke up, they traded back. So this year, they got to pick a 15. I'm not going to have to stay up that late, but there's actually some intrigue to, to staying up and watching it this year because of what the precedent that was set today, uh, you know, of all things, the precedent that was set today with how aggressive they were, who knows what to expect on draft night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is it too early to pin a uh, Buccaneers versus Patriots Super Bowl next year? I mean, how they play each other in Foxborough. <laughs> Super Bowl preview in Foxborough. Hard pass. Oh hard pass. I told you from I've been I've been consistent about this in the group chat since day one. Twenty twenty two is the year for them to really find out what Bill is building here. Next year, well, if they make you know whatever that you know today, great, unexpected, awesome, but. I am still maintaining the fact that 2022 will be the year that I will fully evaluate Bill Belichick and uh, determine whether or not I think that the Patriots should or should not move on from him. That That's what it but comes down to. Can't that timeline be moved up to this year now because no. of all the moves no. he's making? I mean, no. I mean he, he was spinning like Mike McCagney. You set that arbitrary timeline without any information, and now we got new information where he's going all in. I mean, like, my, my expectation no... has not changed. So how many? How much money did they sink in contracts? I mean, we can either I mean, look at they sank like million. million. Yeah, it's like one hundred fifty million. million dollars. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the most he spent. I mean, the last ten years combined, he spent about like three hundred ten million dollars. And in the first three, in the first three hours today, he spent one hundred fifty. Like, I mean, I, I think we need to start looking at this team from a different lens now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if we hit on the draft as well, and that's a big if because obviously yep. we know he has some issues drafting. But if he hits on the draft. Like, that timeline is going to be accelerated. That time, you know, if he hits in the draft and, and, and I'm pleased with what I see, yeah, maybe I move my timeline up. But my expectation has not changed other than the fact that I think that this team has a chance to be a playoff team this year. Yeah. My, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I have no expectation that this team is going to make a deep run in the playoffs. Not even there yet. Nope. I, I mean, I and, think the... I think the bar has to at least be playoffs because, mm-hmm. I mean, th- this dude, I mean, you know, Burge, as much as, you know, you want to clown on me for making the comparison, this guy, Bill, spent like Mike mm-hmm. McCagnin, who lost his job, and he spent as much money as he did two years ago on a, on you know, uh, a Mosley at linebacker, a, a Jamison Crowder at wide receiver, Le'Veon Bell at running back, like, you don't make these type of moves unless you feel the heat is on you. Like mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to sell a Johnu Smith, who's probably you know the top of the second tier tight end group, you know behind Kelsey, uh, Kittle, and and Darren Waller. Like he is the next guy. You are not selling 
Jonu Smith on, hey, you're gonna be, you're gonna come here. We want to build the offense around you, but like the first two years are gonna be a rebuild. Like that is a hard, a hard. No, I'm I'm moving that that ticker up. It says something that Jonu Smith and Matt Judon are now the highest paid skill and defensive players in team history. Like that, that's not something you do when you're in a rebuild mode. Like this is this is Belichick saying to us, like fuck that rebuild shit. I might not have five. I might not have five to ten years here to rebuild this. I'm gonna win now, and I'm gonna do whatever I possibly can. And I think he's building a team around the quarterback, and then he'll find that quarterback and put him in, and then they'll be off the races, kind of like what the the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been screaming for since day one. I want them to build the team around the quarterback and then get the quarterback. That's what I've been screaming for the whole time. They are showing a sense of direction with these moves that they're making right now. Yeah, maybe that direction is, hey, we're going to try to win now. Maybe that's what it is. We'll see how the draft goes. But for me, if they win, if they if they are 500 and above next year, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. And then, 500 and above? That's so low, though. After that much? I mean, I'm telling you. Much, 500 above is nothing, bro. I mean, that's... I, they're setting a direction here. This is what I've been saying the whole time to you, Jay. They're setting a direction here. You can see there's they're, they are building something, right? I mean, as the as the Dolphins fan that went through a, a rebuild, we didn't spend this much money. We we sold assets off to get draft capital, to get a Christian Wilkins, and then to get uh, to a Tonga Bailoa and and whatnot, and get Preston Williams undrafted, like. Those are rebuild characteristic moves, not $150 million in the legal tampering window in, in one day. And, you know, unless half of these people are going to pull, a, a, you know, an Anthony Barr and overnight renege their offer or, or renege their word and go back to their original team, these guys, for the most part, are coming to New England to win now. Like, well, it, the, the bar is the playoffs. Well, that's a, right. That's that's for me. The bars, the playoffs, and from where I sit, you know, essentially, you asked that question to me, Burge, about what the direction is. When you spend one hundred fifty million dollars, the direction is win now. Like, and five hundred is not win now. That's just kind of treading water. I think with everything you've seen today and the guys that he put on on the roster today, this is a playoff caliber team, and I do believe ten plus wins should be the expectations for his team with a playoff. Appearance. Now, I'm not going to go as far as saying a playoff win or a deep playoff run. That's that's something that I can't answer or even predict right now. But ten plus wins is something we should be expecting with what happened today. I'm not. I'm not saying that's an outrageous ex- expectation. I, I. You know. I. I can see. I can see where you're coming from on that. I'm just saying I don't have that. I. I. They have so many holes to fill in this team. They did a great job today addressing a good chunk of those of those te- of those holes. But they they need more. They need. I don't. I don't expect Cam Newton to take a team to the playoffs. That that's mm-hmm. just that's just yep. me. I I'm not going to expect him to do that. If he does exceed my expectations, I'll be ha- I'll be even happier. But for me, an improvement on last year for 2021 is the expectation that I'm setting for this team, and 2022 will be the be the year that I expect them to go to the playoffs and at least make some noise in the playoffs. I'm not saying get to the Super Bowl or get to the AFC Championship game. I'm just expecting them to make some noise. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's that's the one thing that, that also is causing me a little bit of hesitation because I'm, like, super excited right now. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is awesome, right? This is has shades of 07 all over again. 
but you got to look at the quarterback position, the most important position on the field, and that's kind of like hindering my excitement a little bit because I do know at the end of the day we've got a professional shot putter at quarterback. Yeah. Don't worry, I mean, Kellen Mond's going to fill that spot. <laughs> I mean, there's been days where Brandon has thrown better footballs and he throws to the left all the time. <laughs> I throw it like a baseball. It's fine. <laughs> But at least I hit somebody. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Um, okay, do you guys uh, want to get to anything else on the Patriots, or should we move on to our bold predictions? I mean, I think we hit everything right now. I, I just, I don't, I don't think the Patriots are done at the wide receiver position. That's, that's, for, that's me. I think they're going to add, add another receiver, whether it's one of the again middle of the road guys and available in free agency, or if they're going to. They're going to reach out to somebody like uh, Curtis Samuel, who I was duped into thinking was signed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe they reach out to him, try to sign him, but I think the money isn't going to line up at this point. So I think a more risk, more realistic approach to that is uh, in the draft. Okay. A couple of quick updates uh, as information is rolling in. Uh, the Jets uh, seem to be making some noise. They have a Gucci terms with the Bengals pass rusher Carl Lawson. Um, looks like the Broncos are giving running back Philip Lindsay the low RFA tender. And looks oh, like nice. A.J. Green is uh, just got a, a quote from Josina Anderson, who's been on it, by the way, today. She, oh, yeah. she won the day. As uh-huh. much as I clown on Josina Anderson from time to time, she she won the day Spot today. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she, she was definitely coming with the fire today. Uh, she's got a uh, text message update from a wide receiver, uh, AJ Green, no decision yet, still working through it, been focusing on some family stuff today. Um, so looks like a lot has happened uh, since we've been on the air, but let's move on over to the bold predictions um, for next year. And, and uh, I wanted to kind of take a quick moment, look forward, and just come up with one bold prediction from each of us that we see uh, that, that we can see happening next year uh, during the regular season. So Puma, I'll turn it over to you. What you got, sir? All right, so first of all, did you remember now? Because <laughs> I know so, you were having a you were having a moment there where you couldn't remember. <laughs> no, I couldn't remember, and I and I and I, I remember you being over the night uh, where we were talking about bowl predictions uh, for a future podcast, and uh, you rattled off a few gems, and I, I don't remember one if I came up with one or or, or two if I was that just bourbon, out of my man. head. Not, not in my head saying, yeah, a lot to yours. Because yours, Jay, in all seriousness, yours were freaking fantastic bold predictions that are not beyond the realm of possibility. Okay, the, one that, the one that I came up with today is uh, you look at all these free agency moves and the, the market was kind of established for the offensive linemen with you know, Joe Tooney getting paid and, and whatnot. And I think it's very plausible that... Russell Wilson may be finding his way out of Seattle. I think, I think that is coming to a head. I think it's going to happen before draft day. Uh, there was a report that came out before we recorded from the New York Post. Uh, take that for what it is. But you know, Pete Carroll is you know alleged to have a a, a high um, high thought of of uh, quarterback Sam Darnold for for the New York Jets. And you know, if that means the Jets have to trade the the number two pick in the draft this year. And you know a couple other sweeteners to to get Sam Darnold, and you can move off of Russell Wilson, who's been the squeaky wheel as of yet, uh, as of late, wanting more input, uh, at, you know, in personnel decisions, which is asinine to me, and wanting a better offensive lineman. You could have gotten Joe Tooney. I mean, 
Kansas City was cash uh, was cap strapped, and they cleared twenty million uh, in cap space to to bring Joe Tooney on board. Uh, Seattle certainly could have done that. I think Russell Wilson is definitely going to be shipped off out of the Emerald City, and you know, God bless the team that takes him. Uh, I honestly think the leaders in the clubhouse, if that was to happen, would be the New York Jets or the Carolina Panthers. Uh, specifically the Panthers, they cleared the decks of cap space. They restructured a bunch of contracts. They released a bunch of people to free up cap space. And what everyone thought was, all right, we're going to make a move for Deshaun Watson. And I think they could possibly absorb Russell Wilson's contract at this point. The Jets have the number two pick. And I think if you're Seattle, if you, you, you want picks back where you can at least get your franchise quarterback because you're not going to get your franchise guy at you know, picks 22 or later. You have to be in the side of the top 10, and these two teams have the draft capital to do it. I think the Jets would be a perfect situation from what you just laid out because that way Sam Darnold's going back to Seattle with picks, right? Yep, with picks. He's going to Seattle. Pete Carroll is going to be the head coach, and you know we can say what we want about Pete Carroll as the coach. I, you know, I think he's he's great. The offensive scheme probably didn't suit Russell Wilson that well, but we saw what happened to Russ after Week Five, where he was a turnover machine. And they went back to run the football. I'm not saying you make Sam Darnold a game manager, but you can start building around him. He's on a rookie contract. You pick up the fifth year option. You have another year of team control. You can hit him with the franchise tag. Seattle would be in the driver's seat with Sam Darnold money-wise. And I, I think it would be a, a good fit. He's a West Coast kid. He goes back up to the Northwest. I think it would be a good fit for him. Wow. Could you imagine Russell Wilson in the division, huh? Oh, yeah, but, but behind that offensive line. Like, I don't think he has the no-trade clause, right? So, But, like, you're going to a team where if Makai Becton can stay healthy – like, that is a legit offensive line. And we saw what that line looked like when Makai Becton was in, especially when they were running the football with old man Frank Gore, and when he wasn't in, and it was night and day. And I think you do that, you have some RJP Ryan as the running back, I, I think you, you would have uh, some good building blocks there for Russell Wilson. And it looks like New York City could be something that Sierra is obviously, you know, into as well. It seems like there's reports coming out. And it looks like we actually discussed this. Man, you Puma on the back patio that night, but I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a fall down broke. It's fine. Do you do you remember anything else from that night? Do you remember that my brother was there as well? Yeah, but like the okay. bold take, the bold the bold prediction one that was before your brother got there. Ah, uh, oh, see now I'm not forget. I'm not remembering properly. So you, so you stopped drinking and sobered up. I see how it is. No, no, no. See, so remember that part again? Hey, uh, either either I was nodding my head a lot at Jay's like pretty plausible bold takes or i piped up with one and i just don't remember it because uh, you know i drink my misery away from work well it's it's probably a mixture <laughs> it's a mixture of the uh the bourbon and the uh the winston churchills <laughs> oh yes yes it is <laughs> uh okay uh burge what you got sir so i for my bold prediction this year i am going to go with the los angeles chargers winning the afc west Ooh. uh i I like what Justin Herbert showed uh, in last year's season uh, for the Chargers, you know, with, uh, you know, the passing game. I mean, I think he exceeded everybody's expectations as to what he, uh, what he was going to do once he took over from Tyrod Taylor after that, uh, that crazy uh, situation out there in L.A. But, you know, I really do believe that they were held back last year by that coaching staff out in, out in L.A. With, with Anthony Lynn, I, you know, 
been a big critic of him. He just make dumb moves, uh, you know, in, in games, and just was was absolutely brutal. They add, you know, they have Justin Herbert now. They're going into his second year, so he's got some experience. They got a new head coach in uh, in uh, Brandon Staley uh, out of the McVeigh coaching tree. I like that. Uh, and granted, he was the defensive coordinator there, but you know, who knows what he's going to bring. Um, they just shored up their offensive line today. I, I just like like them to take the next step. And, you know, with the questions, I mean, Joe Tooney obviously in, in Kansas City helps, but it doesn't solve, you know, their, their tackle situation on that offensive line. Uh, I just think there's some question marks uh, with Kansas City there. You know, you know what happens to two teams after they lose to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Just ask the Seattle Seahawks about that. Um, so uh, I'm going with the Chargers to win, win that division. I think it'll be close, but... I, I, I like what they're doing out there. Uh, okay, a little bit of breaking news before I give my bold take. We've got free agent quarterback Jameis Winston has agreed to a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints worth $12 million. But the real kicker here is it's been reported by Shams Charania, which is a basketball reporter, which is pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> That's very interesting. You know, he had, as for that point, though, Shams had another breaking news thing with, I think it was like actually Donald Trump. I think he broke the news that Trump tested positive for COVID. Like, Shams <laughs> is all over the place, man. Like, that yeah. dude, that dude's earning a paycheck for stadium, I tell you what. He's uh, the senior NBA, lead NBA insider writer analyst for the Athletic and stadium, and it's funny because like Ian Rappaport retweeted and said stick to basketball, but yes, this is true. Okay, cool. My bold take, and listen, uh, my uh, one of my bold takes was actually going to be the Los Angeles Chargers making the playoff uh, playoff appearance and actually winning the playoff game. Um, but after thinking about it some more, you know, I think that's more expected now. Um, I like the uh, the boldness you have, Burge, and actually saying they're going to win the AFC West away from the Kansas City Chiefs. That's definitely a bold take. But I think I went with my other uh, other bold take, and that's going to be <laughs> that the Jacksonville Jaguars oh. are going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think I like what's Man. happening down there in, in Jacksonville. I think that Duval. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the real deal. I think he'll be he'll be he'll probably have that kind of year that Justin Herbert had last year. Um, essentially, they've got the second most cap room, uh, maybe the first most cap room, depending on what source you're getting it from. Um, they haven't made many moves today, a couple of small moves here and there, but looks like they're definitely doing their homework. Um, I do believe in the long haul, Urban Meyer is going to fail in the NFL, but I do believe in the first two or three years, he's going to have some immediate success just because he's very familiar with the players coming out of college and know how to draft properly. Um, so with that being said, the fact that there's no you know state income tax, income tax um, they're in Jacksonville and Florida. I think they are set up to be a prom destination for some free agents, um, and I think they are going to make some noise as the uh, football season comes around. They signed Philip Dorsett today. They did. They did. I saw that. Um, they also signed uh, – who else was it? Oh, that was fake. Never mind. <laughs> that was not confirmed. Yeah, that was fake. Yeah, we, we determined that off <laughs> we air. Can't, uh, we, can't, we, can't, we can't say that. <laughs> I thought you were going a different direction with that uh, that bold prediction there, Jay, based on our conversations. Well, I, I want to I wanna hold back a little bit. I want to have a little bit of integrity, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I really <laughs> wow. want to say okay. the Patriots. The Walter Cronkite <laughs> of the really... Pro Football Radio Podcast, oh. Oh. Jay Chima. Yes. <laughs> Walter Cronkite, Edward R. Morrow have nothing on you. 
<laughs> the old the old Jay Chima would have stood up on the desk and said the Patriots are going undefeated with Tom you Brady. You basically did that in the group chat. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Stop it. Stop with this. Here. I'm with Stop it. Yep. It happened. You're about to you you're about to break out of your pants and get a carton of smokes. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear it. I had I had a lot of heavy breathing at points today. You know? God damn. This guy paper bag. Listen, I have expectations. I I do think that we're gonna make the playoffs with the Patriots. Um, you know. Hey, listen, if if Cam and I've gone to the point where, you know, Burge had this conversation, like, you know, I if Cam Newton is another year moved away from that shoulder surgery and he has more time in the offseason and he has a slew of weapons now, I mean, is it far-fetched to think maybe the guy can return to 70% of his MVP, you know, year? Uh, it, you know, if he can attain that level of play, I do think the Patriots are going to vie for the AFC's title. Now, obviously, that's a tall ass for Cam Newton because we haven't seen it in so long. But I'm trying to talk myself up to essentially falling in love with Cam a little bit, you know, trying to see the upside, trying to see the positive. You know, it, can he be that level of quarterback again? I don't know. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year with everything that's happened, with him having a, a full offseason, no COVID bullshit, weapons, and being a whole another year removed from that shoulder surgery. Be careful with that uh, AFC, AFC East title talk. You might trigger Puma a little bit here, man. No, I mean, I was already saying that I think the Pats, you know, if you look at just today and if you project out in the future a little bit, I mean, they're going to have an easy schedule just because of how their record shook out this last year. It's not, it's not a bridge too far to say, hey, they could finish second in the AFC East and they could, and they could be a wild card team. But, you know, the, the, the Bills are going to be playing a first, uh, uh, a, a first, play schedule uh this season so you know it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the roles can flip-flop like if you're a bills fan it's probably gonna disappoint you a bit but if you're a pats fan it is definitely within the pot realm of possibility you finish second maybe have a puncher's chance that win the division and you you punch your ticket to to the playoffs as a wild card team absolutely i think that is the bar like not to beat a dead horse but that is the the bar is set at playoffs at this point I think double-digit wins and the playoff appearance is, is something that needs to happen. I think if we are in, in Belichick's – listen, I think Belichick has four to five more years four to five more years left in him. I think for him to essentially win another Super Bowl, which I think he deeply wants, and I think which he needs for his legacy, I think for that essentially to happen, he's got to start with this year. He's got to start putting the foundations and getting those wins in the wins column and getting into the playoffs and getting these new players – some experience in the playoffs. I mean, I'm not asking for a playoff win, but I do think a playoff appearance is a necessity if we're a Super Bowl contender the next two or three years. I mean, I think you're pretty lofty with the five years on, on Bill Belichick. Just think given his three, age. Three to four? Uh, he's 68 right now, going to be 69 next month. So I would say I would say two to three years if, it, okay. if, if, so if that's me. Even then, the timeline needs to be accelerated even more. Then that puts even more pressure on trying to get a Super Bowl win as soon as possible or before he retires. And if that's the case, then we've got to start getting these players some playoff experience now. See, see, I, I, see, I disagree with you on the fact that he needs to win a Super Bowl before he, he, uh, he retires. And well, I know, that's a different and conversation. I know we, that's, a, no, that's, that's a different, a different conversation. conversation. But, <laughs> but, but I think that his goal... And, and, I, and I truly believe his goal is going to be to set the Patriots up for success after he retires. And I truly believe that 
that will be his legacy. At the end of the day, we're going to talk about how everything went down, you know, with Brady, all that. I really, truly believe that if he is able to put a foundation in and set the Patriots up for, say, five years of success after he's gone, that he his legacy will, will be uh, impacted by that. You, you don't think deep down somewhere he wants to be able to? No, I think deep, no, absolutely. I think deep down he wants to win another one, with, because, given that Brady won one. I think absolutely that's the case. But I, I, I ultimately believe that his legacy will be determined by how he leaves the Patriots when he ultimately walks away from the game. I don't know, man. I think I, I don't think, know about I that. Think, I think some. I think some of the hardcore fans like you yourself would give him the benefit of the doubt, but most of the general public will be like, "Well, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, Brady won a Super Bowl without him, but he didn't. I mean, I know it, it seems, it seems a little, you know, at the service. It's not really looking into the details, but I feel like that's what most fans are gonna do. I mean, most fans may do that, but most fans like that are uned- uneducated. So. Yeah, but- I, mean, I just think that. I mean, I, I'll say this much: like Don Shula's legacy did not get tarnished at all with how he left the Dolphins organization. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't happen with with you know Chuck Noll. Granted, there was they've only had three different head coaches, including himself as as the Steelers, but or Bill Walsh. Like that didn't happen, and they had a carousel up until Jim Harbaugh. Like, nah, I, that that that. That's a little bit of a bridge too far. So, so Belichick retires. They win a Super Bowl two years after he retires with all the players that he brought in. That doesn't impact Bill. Well, did Tony Dungy did ever get the did ever get the uh, the credit when John Gruden won the title with the Buccaneers? Hell no. Exactly. John no, Gruden it doesn't matter. People, but the diehard fans will talk about that. Yeah, but I mean, like at the end of the day, John Gruden is the one that got credited for that Super Bowl. That's just how it happens. Like you don't magically get Super Bowls. I mean, that's like saying Tom Brady can get a Super Bowl, you know, credit once he leaves two years after the Buccaneers. But since he's in the quarterback room, no, that's completely the, different. And he that's taught the next different. guy. He taught the next guy how to play quarterback. That's, I mean, that's, that's completely different. Oh, why is that different now? They're because both Belichick is home, a general not, manager of the team. I, I, I mean, know. on America's I Game, I'll say this much: like even Warren Sapp came out and said. Tony Dungy was a hell of a guy. He held the defense accountable, but he let the offense, the offense slide and just get away with murder. And John Gruden held everybody accountable. Like that was the one bit of air quote gratitude that Tony Dungy got for the players that he brought in and built for for John Gruden to be a babysitter. I mean, hell, Belichick gets gets popped because those early defenses were mainly built by Pete Carroll and Bill Parcells before him. Like the, the 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 big core of that defense was built Willie McGinnis, Lawyer Malloy, like those guys were all Parcells guys. Ty Law. They were all Parcells guys. And and, and if you again, diehard people are gonna think this way, but like the general public's not going to. I agree with you on that, but like those guys were not brought in by Bill. They were brought in by Parcells and I don't even think Pete Carroll brought him in, yeah, but, but he, they're brought he in by they're brought in by Parcells. Yeah, he benefited and credited off of that. I mean that's that's something that, you know, we don't go back and say that Bill Parcells was involved in those first early Super Bowls that, that Belichick won. We don't say that. I mean, we give it all the credit to, to Belichick, right? And that's how it's going to be after he leaves, you know? And, and you know, he, of course, yeah, well, but listen, you're, you're a diehard fan that knows this in and out, but most of the people out there won't see it that way. Like, and, and part of it is perception is reality. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but how, you know, most of the ignorant folks out there talk about football, it, that does become a narrative eventually. Yeah, I just I, I disagree with it, but I guess because I'm more hard, diehard than the general public. 
I guess that's what it comes down to. You can you can hold on to that. That's that's great and all, but it's not going to matter when he he doesn't win his Super Bowl before he retires. Like I mean, right now the bar has been set by Brady that you've got to win a Super Bowl, and that's where I'm going to hold him to as well. And I think <sighs> most people will. That's a discussion for another day. That's that's a discussion for a different podcast because that's going to be a whole podcast. <laughs> Dude, you and I could go on and on about this for two or three hours. I we know did. we could. We did We've the been other going day. on about it for two months. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So we're at 63 minutes. Do you guys want to get to anything else before we uh, call it a day? Yeah, so we oh. can all agree that the wide receiver market, short of oh, Corey yeah, Davis oh, and true. Nelson Aguilar signing today, has been rather stagnant. Uh, so I'm going to list off a few names on the board. You guys tell me, you know, who do you think is going to kind of land where? Give me your top guy. Who do you think they're going to go to? You have Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, uh, Antonio Brown, Marvin Jones. Where, who do you guys, out of that list, pick one player, where do you think they're going to go? Well, I think, I think Curtis Samuel could end up in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I know that was a report that was fake mm-hmm. that came out. But the more you think about it, Curtis Samuel did play for Ever Meyer at Ohio State. Ever Meyer essentially brought him into the Ohio State program, taught him everything he knew, and I think it would be a perfect fit for him to go back with Ever Meyer and kind of play his NFL days out. I mean, Ever Meyer just signed Carlos Hyde today, which was a running back on that team as well, and Hyde and Samuel were on the same running back slash wide receiver room, so that could be a possibility. I'm intrigued to see what your Miami Dolphins do, Puma, because they need a wide receiver. Um, I don't know who they favor. I, I hope it's not Juju Smith because I think that someone no, you'll want your team. No, you'll see me on Suicide Watch. <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe Kenny Galladay, right? Um, I feel like that could be somebody down there. Uh, Curtis Samuel. I don't know how much Brian Flores values you know, versatile players. He is from the Belichick way of thinking. Maybe he does value that. If he does, then Curtis Samuel is a great fit in Miami as well. Yeah. What about you, Burge? I'll go last. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leap here, and I, call me crazy, but I think that Marvin Jones is going to end up here in New England. Ooh. Just, just given how this wide receiver market has played out early on here, the, the, obviously the money isn't, as, isn't there as we initially thought. And I was talking to a buddy earlier today about this. You know, the wide receiver classes of the past few years have been just so deep and these guys have come in and made such immediate impacts uh, with their teams. You look at, like, um, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank on the guy down in uh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb C. down Lamb, in, yeah. in, uh, in, in Dallas. You got Judy, uh, Jerry Judy out in, uh, in Denver who had an impact, you know, given it was a little minor. You had Justin Jefferson go off, light it up, up in, up in Minnesota. I, the way the market played out today, I figured that these like Kenny Galladay was going to be off the board early. I figured even Juju was going to be off the board early. I didn't think Nelson Aguilar was going to be the first receiver off the board. I'll be honest with you there. Um, but I just think I think Marvin Jones is going to sit out there for a while. He's a veteran guy. He's older. You got you know you have Matt Patricia, in New England. Say what you want about that. You know you, the uh, the Patriots with Bill. They know what Marvin Jones is. He's been a consistent veteran i i just it it screams like a like a one-year deal uh coming to new england to kind of round out that court veteran guy and i you know i I think that would be a best case scenario because marvin jones has been incredibly consistent over the past few years he's just getting up there in age yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think I think you hit you hit a good point there, and I want to elaborate on that just quickly. Like, you know, we all know that the quarterbacks are coming out of college are very ready. They're essentially the game that is the NFL game and the college football game. They're kind of mirroring each other nowadays, so it's easier for quarterbacks to translate. But I want to throw wide receivers out there as well. You're seeing an uptick in wide receivers that are ready to play off the jump, essentially coming to the NFL and play. And I think I can extend that to skill positions. Running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks in college translate very well to the NFL just at how just because of how close the games are nowadays. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. I could definitely see that. No, I definitely buy that. The 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 uh, the learning curve is kind of shortened a bit on the on the wide receiver position coming out of the draft. Um, I mean, me personally, as a Dolphins fan, and just reading the tea leaves, it looks like Brian Flores and and, uh, and Greer uh, they're they're making a hard push for Kenny Galladay to be their wide receiver, and it mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, Devontae Parker took a little bit of a step back last year. Uh, Preston Williams, I had high hopes for him as long as well as people in the real life football community as well as fantasy football community <laughs> thought he was going to be like the under the radar kind of guy. And, you know, he's going to be a full year recovered from his ACL surgery. I expect him to take a leap forward. But, you know, you need an alpha dog in there. And I think Kenny Galladay could be that guy. He's called Baby Tron for a reason. Uh, you know, the measurables are like Megatron, Calvin Johnson. He's put up numbers similar to that in his time in Detroit. And I think he could be that guy for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I, I kind of can see Curtis Samuel going to Washington just because of the connection with, um, with Ron Rivera and, and you, know, uh, you know, North Turner's kid. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator uh, for the, uh, the Washington football team. But I can also see... If Will Fuller does not re-sign with the Tex, uh, the Houston Texans and go back with his buddy Deshaun Watson, part of me thinks in like a let's get nuts scenario is you see Will Fuller go to Washington and you have him play opposite of uh, the captain of uh, Terry McLaurin. I mean, we saw an expanded route tree from Will Fuller last year prior to the PED suspension. Like he played, you know, in every single game. He didn't miss. He was putting up a bunch of different stats. And I think he could kind of fit in Washington uh, to take some of the heat off of, uh, you know, the captain. So those are my wide receivers I can see definitely in play tomorrow. I, I am the captain now. I am the captain now. <laughs> it ain't Scary Terry. It's Great the captain. Movie. That's Great it. Movie. Wow. Quick, quick, just uh, real quick, real quick. I just saw a mock draft. I'm watching NFL Network right now go across from Charlie Castellari. And he had Justin Fields dropping to 24. That's to the Steelers. Stupid. Charlie Cassidy is some something else. Like, I'm like watching this, I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> there's something happening with Justin. I don't know. I don't know if there's something that I don't I don't even know how to say this without being controversial. Is this something in his past? Is this something that his mom said? Like, I don't understand what's happening here with, with just how badly the, the narrative is being built that Justin Fields is going to start dropping. There, there's absolutely no way in the hell he's going to be at 24, but the fact that you're even talking about it is kind of a little bit of alarming, isn't it? Just remember, Charlie Casterly, it, it, one, in my opinion, he's the old man version of Chris Sims, okay? Mm. Like, 
he is Charlie Casterly likes to he's a rabble rouser. He likes to to poke the bear and to get the traffic towards NFL Network and everybody's gonna blow him up on Twitter. He he was also the guy driving the narrative that Kyler Murray interviewed poorly, you know, in his, you know, pro day and, and, and draft interviews with, with some of the big teams. Like if you're gonna Listen to anything Charlie Casterly says. I hope you have a pallet full of Epsom friggin' salt because that is what you're going to need to listen to Charlie Casterly. Well, no, even, even past Charlie Casterly thing, there's something there. Like, I, I can't put my finger on it, but it seems like, you know, going into this year, we thought that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are one, one and two, right? And most of the year, with the games being played, it was that. But something happened after the national championship game where people started looking at some of the stuff that Justin Fields put on tape, or I don't know what it is, but it just seems like there's this narrative being built, and I'm just I'm just going to keep saying it. He's being Deshaun Watson. He's falling for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. Put it this way. I am the biggest critic of Ohio State quarterbacks. I think we've been over this on the podcast a few times. If he drops a 15, I want the Patriots to take him. Mm-hmm. 100%. I want them to take him 100% at that, at that pick. Like, there's no way he's getting to 24 to the Steelers. I think that's an absolute joke, and the fact that this guy's getting paid to do this is a joke. No, Char- Charlie Castle is old man Phil, you know, Chris Sibbs. Just, well, which, no. which, which take is more egregious? I, I saw a couple of uh, radio shows do this, like the worst take brackets. Well, let's ask you this question. Which take is worse? Charlie Casserly's Justin Fields should be taken at 24 or the Chris Sims, Kellen is going to be the number two quarterback taken off the board? Is that what it was? Or number two prospect? Yeah. I don't think it was that high. Whatever, whatever it was. I don't it think was it was high. that high. I, it was high. It was high. Let, let me pull it up just so. That's, that's fine. I mean, I'm going to go with Chris Sims. Like, <laughs> like I just... I can't, and maybe it's a little bit of bias because he's you know idiot. he's he's with Karen Florio because I refuse to use <laughs> that guy's real name. Um, but no, like it's Chris Sims. It ain't that close. But Charlie Casserly is he's a special kind of special. I think it's part so, of his so, like NFL Network contract that he has to come up with one bullshit take every year <laughs> to drive traffic towards all of the social media pages for NFL so, Network. I got it right here. So he has Zach Wilson, number one, Trevor Lawrence, number two, Mac Jones, number three, Kellen Bond, number four, oh, that's what Justin I was Fields, about. I, number I five, and Trey Lance at six. Zach Wilson being number one is the one that I was so mad no, about I after were, I realized what it was. You were triggered about Mac Jones. You were triggered about Mac Jones being number three. I think yeah, that's what you were triggered about. Yeah, because I didn't even look at the top two. I just figured it was going to be Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson. I was like, all right, well, he's got Trevor Lawrence number one and Zach Wilson number two. I get that. But then I remember I started looking at it later on, and I'm like, oh, my God, he has Zach Wilson at number one, which is absolutely nuts. I mean, like, I'm not going to have that argument with anybody that Zach Wilson is, is better than Trevor Lawrence. That's just stupid. That's just somebody that doesn't have eyes. That's just somebody that's trying to cause controversy because on tape, they're, they're not even close. I'm sorry, if Mac Jones goes ahead of Fields and Lance, that's that's going to be comical. That'll be a fun draft night. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. We all know my takes on Alabama quarterbacks, so... I yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't. Chris, Chris Sims is... Uh... He's something else. He's Do you something think they else. drug test at, like, NFL Network and NBC Sports? Because, <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly... Like, oh, God. Like, those two people... Next to Karen Florio, just drive me bananas. Like I, I, I can't. I don't know how. Like 
they have that job and like I'm, I'm ready to like just flip my desk at, at, at any given moment well, at I'm, the end of the day. Well, I, I, I will say this. I will say this. Chris Sims' 2020 draft rankings, he had Justin Herbert number two behind Burrow. Ahead of Tua. And uh, he had Jordan Love ahead of Tua as well. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I, he, had, he was on to something about, about Herbert there. I will say I, that. I think, I think, Puma, you make a good point. I, I don't even follow PFT anymore. For a while there, they were, like, they were the ones that I got most of my information from. But I, I don't even subscribe to their products anymore. They're an absolute clown show. Both Florio, I'm sorry, Karen, um, and and uh, and Chris Sims. Uh, I, both of them, they just they just annoy me to to know to a different degree, man. Yep, can't do it. Can't do it. No, no. We should we should do the worst uh, sports like, not commentators, but wor- like opinion people. Like I don't even know what to call these. We should these do a bracket. Anymore. We should do a yeah, bracket. We should for do that. a bracket of like the worst like sports like not takes but worst sports like. Commentators, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. You know? Jay Chima's is going to take the cake on that. Hey, uh, here we go, <laughs> Mister Attitude. <laughs> I mean, stir the pot. I'd be spitting some fire. You just don't like the truth, man. You know? No, 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 no. It's not Jay Chima. It's Walter Chima. Or, or <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's Walter Chima. You're right. He is the he is the cornerstone of media integrity on the Pro Football Radio podcast. Birch, I will second I know, that. I know you you take it personally, but I just spit facts, brother man. I just see what <laughs> no. I see. I see. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? I see wanna... today that Belichick Puma, did pull your great. chair up. Let's go. There oh, we I, go. I, I, I already I, did. I rolled with, closer to the mic. Bird, with my eyes, I saw something great happen today, and I said on the podcast, Belichick did something great today. Like, how is that so hard to understand? <laughs> you wait. You're gonna be proved. You're gonna be proved wrong on this. Bella fraud bullshit. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Oh. I, I can't wait to have a shirt made up that says Bella fraud uh, for, for the regular season. <laughs> you, have to, you have to get that once we get the video up. You have to do that. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ballistic. I might throw my laptop. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, you guys want to get to anything else or are we going to call it a night? I think we're good. I think I'm we're good. good. I'm good. I'm good. Let's, let's, uh, let's plug it up, Puma. Let's call it a night. All right, haven't done this in a long time. Uh, this mm-hmm. episode of the Pro Football Radio Podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. So definitely check it out on Apple Podcasts. Leave a you know five-star review. Uh, Want to throw a question in there? We'll get to it because uh, it's going to be the dog days of the offseason. Uh, not every day is going to be... Uh, Bill Belichick spending money like a coked out Tony Montana before the end uh, the final shootout in Scarface um, social media wise you can find us on Facebook, Instagram Pro Football Radio Podcast Twitter at PFR Podcast I'm on the Twitter machine Brando underscore Puma Jay Chima's at Jay Chima our senior analyst, senior contributor Eric Burgess is uh, at Burge the Goalie on the Twitter machine we are in the full swings of hockey, and Burge will love to give you a quick take and a quick thought on the general manager of the Boston Bruins and how they need to improve their offensive output for the hockey team. Uh, so definitely follow him on Twitter as well. Hit us up on social media. We 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 uh, we got nothing but time after the free agency period. So let's fucking go. Here we go. All right. Well, we'll Fuck see Adam you guys. Jones. Uh, here we go. Here we go. And with that, see you guys next week. Bye, Contigo. Peace.